This is Teachable Moment, the show where we get to know the people that make LCC go. I'm Steve Robinson, president of Lansing Community College, and I go one-on-one with a member of our campus community to learn about a key concept or idea from their area of expertise. It's a show about what makes LCC great, the fantastic people with inspiring ideas who change lives every day with their incredible work. My guest today is Jim Luke, professor of economics here at LCC, and he's going to talk with us about this groundbreaking and innovative concept called the Open Learn Lab. Jim, welcome to the show. Hi, Steve. I'm glad to be here. Well, it's great to have you, and I'm very excited uh, to have this conversation about the Open Learn Lab. But before we get to that part of the show, I'd like to learn a little bit more about you. You're a professor of economics here at LCC. How long have you been at the college? Uh, this year's 20 years at LCC. Two zero. That's good. And uh, before that, I kind of danced. I, I had done some academic work at some other schools, but primarily before that was a couple of decades or more as in corporate world. I was a corporate strategist, planner, consultant, technology, kind of a guy that the folks, you know, management said, we don't understand this. Go figure it out and tell us what we're going to do. So a planning CQI background in, in a corporate world. And from an academic standpoint of being an, uh, an economist, that's got to really help in the classroom to have that uh, real world corporate experience when you're teaching economics. Oh, very much so. Very much so. Um, and it's a lot of it's a lot of great practice for uh understanding things from a systems level. Mm-hmm. And in fact, there's a direct lead-in to how those two things intersected and led to the not necessarily the Open Learning Lab, but the very beginnings of me doing this stuff for Open Learning. Well, and I'm excited that, to talk about that. You know, but before we get to that part sure. of the show, though, I mean, I, I'd love to ask another question. Sure. In, the, in the classroom, that applied experience of, of your corporate work you have to integrate that into your teaching. I mean, do you do you share examples, case studies from from your corporate work when you're when you're teaching principles in economics? Um, I, I used to when I I used to teach micro and macro. Mm-hmm. Um, I, micro, you get a lot more corporate experience type situations, and I used to do a lot more now. But now I've mostly been teaching macro, which is a less of here was here's the corporate example, but more of a benefiting from having to learn how things fit in the bigger picture, and how the economy fits together, uh, companies or industries fit in as a, as a system into the economy, and that's that's where the benefit is for macro now. How to interpret data as to what it really means. Yeah, and, and that's got to be super helpful in the classroom. And one of our oh, differentiators yeah. as a sector in community colleges is, you know, we have great academics, but a lot of our faculty also have a lot of primary, uh, you know, corporate experience. And so you really I have married both of those in your teaching. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, in addition, in addition to your work in the classroom, though, I, I know that you've been super active in a lot of other things here at LCC. You're here 20 years. You've been very active in our academic Senate, right? So you're a senator. I'm, I'm trying to remember your exact role. You're, you're currently on the academic Senate, correct? I'm currently on the academic Senate, although at the end of this year, I'll be stepping, stepping back from my seat. Um, I was... Alex Azima, the first academic Senate president, and I have kind of joked that I was President Zero. <laughs> president Zero? It's like patient zero? 
<laughs> right. You know, he was he was when the Senate began in 2013, he was the first president. But for the two years prior to that, um, LCC went through a very, very big, very participative uh, strategic planning uh, process and reflection uh, about a lot of issues. And that's when collectively we decided to have an academic Senate as well as a lot of other parts. And I had led, I had taken some reassigned time, mm -hmm. given my corporate background in planning, the provost at the time had asked me, you know, hey, rather than LCC going out and paying a consultant, why don't we use the talent we have? So I had spent two years, essentially the same kind of issues and then segued into into the Senate as a senator. And so I've been heavily in, involved in that kind of governance. So in the run up to the Senate, so you're President Zero or the proto-president, maybe. Right, right, right. That would right, be another yeah. one. Hey, and before we get to your teachable moment, uh, you're also super <clears throat> active on Twitter. And this is, I, I think this is, so academic Twitter to me is a, higher ed Twitter is a great space. And so uh, Twitter, I think, is a, an important part of your life as an academic. Can you talk about that a little bit? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it, I think it's changed my life. I mean, it is fantastic. Mm -hmm. And it's a secret weapon. I, you know, the network I've established now I'm, I'm collaborating on academic uh, books and papers with folks, not only all across the US, but uh, Canada, Ireland, the UK, North Africa, or uh, South Africa. Um, and it's, it's, even Australia. I mean, I a, a little a little sub nugget of that is uh, anecdote. I went to a conference, open ed conference. Uh, I think this was in 2016, and I'm thinking I'm still you know I mean, you know I'm thinking oh I'm just a community college professor uh, teaching economics. Mm -hmm. So you know when you go to big academic conferences, community college professors aren't always afforded the greatest respect. That's true. Uh, <laughs> I can sp speak from personal experience. So I go to this one session and there's a woman from Australia, Kate Bowles, who I had read about and seen through Twitter, just an absolute brilliant scholar. Um, I, I had just learned so much from her and what she wrote and her blogs and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, like a groupie, I come up to her <laughs> afterwards, you know, after the session and I'm walking up to her and I'm waiting patiently while others talk to her and I get my turn in front of her and I start asking my question and she does this, uh, you know, she kind of pauses and, and she looks over and she looks down at my name tag, uh, you know, hanging off of, uh, you know, on the lanyard and goes, econ prof, which is my Twitter handle. Right. And, oh, you're econ prof. Oh, how great to meet you. That's awesome. And I love like, that story. Whoa. That's so, so true. Yeah. There is a kind of an equalizing factor on Twitter for higher ed, right? It's a sort of a marketplace of ideas. If you can, you know, that's very. Equalizer and it brings, I mean, we talk about global perspectives, mm -hmm. but there's nothing like participating in it. Yeah, that's a, probably an amazing pivot point to talking about their open learning lab. So the reason, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show is so you could explain this really cool idea. And of course, you're going to have to, uh, you know, discipline yourself to think about somebody who's never heard about this before. And I'm sure you've explained this all the time. But let me just ask point blank, what is LCC's Open Learn Lab? This is the hardest question I've had since we started it. And 
it's actually the question that's been I've constantly asked myself is what is it? And the answer depends on you can look at it. It's kind of like that elephant, you know, they talk about with the blind man. It depends on which aspect you want to look at it. There's a technology aspect of it. Okay. From a technology standpoint, what it amounts to is that our Center for Teaching and Ex Teaching Excellence, which is how we support faculty professional development and pedagogy improvement, teaching and learning improvement in the school. Mm -hmm. From a technology standpoint, we have a regular plain web server or access to a web server, um, such as anybody can go, you know, do commercially. And we can provide websites to faculty, staff, students. Even the president. Full disclosure, list, dear listener, uh, <laughs> Professor Luke set up my blog. My president's blog runs <laughs> off the Open Learning Lab. And that is what it's about. Is mm -hmm. It's about providing what I call a scholarly commons, providing a space, a digital space that's public, that is, it's not the official school website, you know, which is of necessity and appropriately a whole lot of policy and mixed in with a little bit of marketing. Why don't you come here and exactly. enroll? Yeah. I mean, it's the company line and you need that. I mean, there, that needs to be there. There's a whole lot of other technology in a college that's all closed. That's all behind firewalls, like uh, the learning management system that you use um, the tran, you know, what we call the student information system, which is keeps track of transcripts and your records, right. and, you know, and the accounting system, all that stuff. This is separate. This is the school. It's like the digital equivalent of the school going, we're going to take care of this public sidewalk and we're going to make it available to the public so that our scholars our teachers, our staff, our students, because that's a big thing with me. Our students, our scholars, right, can show off, showcase their stuff, what they create. The show, they can be scholars. They can do their stuff. And from that, so that's the tech side of it. Okay, so there, that's the technology component of it. And, and, and what's next? Layered on top of that is what we had to do was in – Kind of invent or develop. So how do you help faculty and students take advantage of this resource mm -hmm. in a way that improves teaching and learning? Okay. How do you get them the skills to do it, to use the tech? Mm -hmm. How do you support them to do things? And, and that's where we've actually, I think, had a lot of success and innovation here. Um, with what we're doing is we've developed methods, what I call running errands for ideas, as this is how we deal with faculty and staff. And as a result, what's come out is what I'd, I'd kind of summarize the whole thing. You know, if, if someone were from another school, I'd say what we've created, mm -hmm. we didn't know we were doing this at the time, but we have, is we've created a teaching innovation, teaching and learning incubator. So to me, that there's so much embedded what you said, and it's fascinating. So on the front end of the technology, if I heard you correctly, you're almost talking about this middle domain or brackish water between the the corporate style website, lcc.edu, which is, you know, like you said, necessarily about marketing and promotion and 
and, and on the other side are closed systems, uh, which, you know, are for, <laughs> you know, particular business or on enterprise purposes. There's this middle ground that you called a commons or a sidewalk where creative academic scholarship and teaching happen. So, so it's the, this middle area. Yeah. It's an, it's, it's like a nurturing environment where people are scholars. Again, mm-hmm. our faculty, our staff, our students can, can plant seeds and blossom and develop their own identity on the World Wide web, a digital identity of themselves as scholars. Mm-hmm. And you must, and I've checked them out, so I've seen a bunch of them, but you must have some favorite seeds that have sprouted interesting things in, in, in the years you've been doing this. Can you give me one or two examples or listeners, one or two examples of some examples of, uh, you know, scholarship that sprouted up on this sidewalk or commons? Yeah, I, there's a lot of these. I'm sure there are. Let me start with one real tiny example um, that when I was playing around with this kind of open learning stuff in my own course, mm-hmm. um, that really put me over the over the top on on doing it, and and then talk about a lot more examples that we've got that other faculty have created. So at one point, I was teaching a class called uh, Comparative Economic Systems. And, you know, it's, it's, we look at socialism and communism and a bunch of stuff like that. Got it. It's kind of a survey course of, of different types of economic systems. And what I did was I set up a WordPress site. Mm-hmm. This is publicly available. It's just an ordinary blog. Right. Um, so I had students and I gave a, a blog site to each student in the class. Mm-hmm. Their name, they could... Uh, relatively easy, you know, decorate it, change whatever they wanted on it. But the catch was we had certain writing assignments for the class for the semester Mm -hmm. and they would write on their blog instead of submitting a paper to me, they're going to write on a blog. So it's visible publicly. Now, realistically, you know, it's not necessarily going to be seen by millions of people. No, no, but, but it could be, it could be. Yeah. Two things happened right away. First one was, this was the first time I had made this kind of assignment where they're going to write in public. And I had taught the course before in the ordinary fashion of what's called a disposable assignment by David Wiley, where you write the paper, you submit it to the professor, you hope the professor spends more than five minutes reading it, and you know that no one else in the world will ever see that paper again. Right. What I noticed was the quality of the writing and the effort that students put into it went way up instantly because the writing mattered. They were saying something to the world. Publishing. They were publishing. Right. And then I hadn't, I mean, you know, so one of them is a first, one student, this is about Thanksgiving, there's a you know, goes home to dinner, you know, extended family. This is a first of, uh, in family of any type in college Mm -hmm. and tells the extended family, aunts and uncles, what they've done. And instantly he's a hero Yeah, because, you know, nobody in the family had ever published. Has a website. (laughs) Anybody in the world could look at it. And the other one that really put me over the top was yeah. I had a very shy student, young student, immigrant, had originally been from Cuba, um, 
not real comfortable with the, with our language, you know, with the English language uh-huh. as second language. And she didn't really want to do the assignment. She was afraid of it. She was, you know, we talked about it and then she was all full of, oh, you know, I have nothing to say. Nobody wants to, you know, I have nothing to say that anybody else is interested in. It's comparative economic systems. And I'm thinking to myself, you grew up in Cuba. Absolutely, right? There's a subject matter expertise <laughs> sitting right there. So I, you know, so I said, well, tell me about Cuba. Right. What do you remember about Cuba when you were young? Or what would somebody notice? And she starts talking about the cars. And of course, you know, the, the 1950s cars lived on forever because of the embargo. And I said, write about that. Find a couple of images on the web that you can, you know, open license, you can embed. Write about that. Oh, my God. She turned into the hero of the class for a while because everybody wanted to. They hadn't heard about this. and They want to ask her questions. And, and, and what a gift as a teacher, right? Because you can teach out of the textbook about, you know, the embargo and, you know, everything about uh, the Cuban economy. But to have the lived experience of a student right there in the class it has to be an incredible asset in in building a shared understanding in the class. Right. And so now I'll go to, that was something I did a long time ago. I'll do, do a situation that a couple of years ago, Joe Escabel teaches in biology. Okay. Uh, and Joe worked with us. Joe created a, uh, he did most of the work, actually. We just provided some guidance. And he creates a website and again, this is open to the public. It's like everything in Open Learning Lab. Everything is some variation on openlcc.net. He gets, creates this website, and he calls it a wiki. I, last I looked, there's over 500 diseases or medical conditions listed. And they're all sorted out, and they're alphabet, you know, uh, sub-alphabetized and stuff okay. like that. It's not totally complete, but what's happening is gradually, as his classes go on and on, Mm -hmm. students pick a disease and they write a post or page that goes in there permanently. Now, we're not giving medical advice. We're we're not doing that. We're not a med school. Right. But these these are pages where students do the research to find out what is living with this disease like. Interesting. So, you know, that, that's a great pivot point for another po- question I want to ask. You could maybe go deeper on that particular project because I was going to ask you about that first word in Open Learning Lab, and that's the open part, right? Yes. So t- talk a little bit about how the openness of this biology wiki about diseases is kind of a, a propellant for this. That's what I hear you saying is that the openness is, is a key part of the design. What does it do for assignment or an activity like that to be open? Well, there's a lot of battles, not battles, but there's a lot of discussion and has been for years in higher ed circles about just what does open mean or what is open education, open learning? Yeah. Well, what does um, it mean to you? On on one aspect is it's important of what we call OER, open educational resources, right. that the materials that are used be the kind of thing that are openly licensed so they can be reused, saved, remixed, customized. Um, I think that's an important part of open learning. But for me, that's the beginning. What I've come to figure out in the uh, running, starting the open learn lab is I like the term open learn or open learning as opposed to open education. 
because it puts the emphasis on the activity. It puts the emphasis on the verbs. And to me, open means maybe a way to look at this is it's, it's open and connected. Mentally, I think of it as is in a way we're opening the classroom door. Mm-hmm. Historically, maybe better way of thinking of this is, so what's the opposite? Well, the opposite would be somewhat closed, fixed education. Things where what happens in the class ends at the end of the semester. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the class stands alone. So students don't connect as easily what they're learning in that class. So it becomes very easy to do what like, what, what my colleague Jeff Janowick talked about, you know, punishment, where you end up just memorizing stuff and then regurgitating it. Open doesn't do that. Open's about making connections. And so open could be that you're right, you're connecting to the public. Mm-hmm. You're publishing for the public. Or like like Joe Escabel's wiki site, um, where we've already had some feedback from just people in the broader community reading that and then sending thanks for, oh my gosh, now I understand what my four-year-old son is experiencing. So so this artifact of the learning process can actually be instructive or helpful for folks, is what I hear you saying. And it has a Absolutely. life beyond a life beyond a particular course or assignment. Yes. And that and so that we've got the capability to help students connect what they're learning in one class to what they're learning in another class to connect what they're learning and see like, like what you, what we opened up with about the corporate experience to see the application, to see the connection to their own community. And at the same time to be able to share the materials so that others can take it and connect off of it and, and bring everything together. So it's, there's a lot of dimensions to open. <laughs> yeah, but and and but it comes full circle to what we're all here for, right? I mean, you look at our Absolutely. mission statement. We're 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 trying to grow lifelong learning, and the, to have these experiences last beyond a particular assignment or classroom is is interesting to me. Hey, one last idea about this, because as you know, one of the originators, the instigator of the Open Learn Lab, you and your colleagues built something that has changed over time, right? So my, my question, last question, I think, would be, what's, what's the future of an open uh, space uh, or commons for learning like this one? Where do you see this going in the next uh, several years? <laughs> for an economist, that's interesting wording, because now I'm going, so am I supposed to forecast how I think it's going to go or how I want it to go? That's a great uh, clarification. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not making you put on your green eye shade and give me an economic <laughs> forecast. Uh, why, don't you, why don't I frame the question this way? Yeah, well, what are your hopes and aspirations for Open Learning Lab? How about that? My hope, my aspiration is that we can continue to, we can make these kinds of experiences available to all our students and all of our faculty so that they can make their class and their learning experiences fit for them um, rather than trying to squeeze people into a you know, lockstep kind of fixed curriculum, fixed experience. And what I would really want to do, and this is this is the focus of what I've been writing on lately, is I think we being a community college 
and us as LCC as the starters on this, I think if other community colleges do the same thing, we can connect. There's ways to build the connections digitally. We don't all have to be under the same corporate organization, but we can build these connections much better between schools. One example, you know, we had a colleague at a, teaches at a uh, Native American tribal community college. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And teaches a business, you know, teaches a business kind of course. And he and I were once talking about, we are, we're not there to do this yet, but talking about, wouldn't it be great? It's essentially the same course we have. And it's the same course that any community college in a business program is going to have. Uh-huh. What if we could just have a project in the course where students from all three schools are participating together virtually on that project? Yeah, so rather than That's being going to teach some diversity. Yeah, and and rather than being unconnected colleges doing the same thing, these three colleges are then nodes on a network um, synergizing exactly. off of one another. And then eventually, because um, I always have a long, long-term view, yeah, is um, UNESCO a couple of years ago um, made open education uh, one of their major goals and committed to it. And what I would like to see is they're talking in terms of not just education, but what they call the glam sector, galleries, libraries, and museums. And I think the same kind of thing where let's build this network where community colleges are nodes, but let's pull in all of these, you know, as a way to connect in this network, You know, there's lots of lesser museums. Everything doesn't have to be the peak of a hierarchy. It doesn't have to be, you know, the New York Museum of Modern Art. Right. You know, there could be, you know, there's a couple of them in in, in Lansing. Um, Exactly. And pull them in and get folks doing real learning, real exercises, um, activities about things that are meaningful in their lives and in their communities real learning about things in their lives that matter to them. That's probably, there's probably no better way to end this conversation than a phrase like that. Jim, thank you so much for spending some time explaining this real hub of innovation here at LCC. Thanks for your work and instigating it and bringing it into being. It's been wonderful to hear about it. Thanks. Thank you. Teachable Moment is recorded by Steve Robinson and produced in the WLNZ studio on the downtown campus of Lansing Community College. The soundtrack is licensed through DeWolf Music and was composed by John Rowcroft. Want more Teachable Moment? Be sure to tune in to future episodes. And if you have an idea you'd like to discuss with me on the show, send me an email at steve.robinson at lcc.edu. Until next time, keep learning. You're listening to LCC Connect on WLNZ Lansing 89.7.